Hi everyone and welcome to another Firms Consulting Podcast. Um, today I want to talk about entrepreneurs who apply to consulting firms. And when I say entrepreneurs, I'm, I'm not specifically thinking about any age group or any type of entrepreneur. I'm specifically talking about you know people who start their own businesses while they are at their MBA programs or people who start a, a startup or any form of business and then you know decide they want to do an MBA. Either they, they leave their startup, shut down their startup, and so on, and they go and do the MBA. Now, when I see startup or any kind of business launch in your resume, I'm, I'm always interested in that. I, I always think that, uh, with good reason, that someone who has the chops to take that risk, launch a business, and learn from it is got an operating acumen that no MBA training can give you. Because... You know, when you speak to someone who's just learned business from textbooks, they have a very shallow understanding of things. It's no insult, right? I mean, I that's the way I came up to the ranks as well. And I'm not saying that, I'm not insulting people. I'm saying it's the reality. You have a shallow understanding of operating issues, finance issues, and so on. Someone who's actually run a startup or run a business has a deeper understanding. They have a practical, pragmatic understanding of those things. So... When I see someone launch a startup, it's so interesting to me that I, I actually go and go to the website, test it out, see how it works. And sometimes if I like it, I buy something off the website, I support it, right? I think you should always support your clients, or even if they're not yet clients, potential clients. But I do find that entrepreneurs really shoot themselves in the foot when it comes to discussing their experiences. And let me give you an example of what I mean by this and what you should do to avoid this problem. Firstly, when I read the resume, the entrepreneur waxes lyrical about how amazing the startup was and how they achieved all their goals and how they drew grew traffic from, I don't know, 1,000 visits per day to a million per day in a month and our revenue increased 800%. Well, when I'm giving you these numbers, I'm looking at actual resumes sitting in front of me for interviews with entrepreneurs. I try to lump all of the groups together when we do the interviews. I do all of the entrepreneurs in one day so I can compare them or at least you know, two or three days depending on the numbers. Now, the problem here is is not the resume. The problem is what happens when I speak to them. I'll speak to them about the entrepreneurship experience and ask them, you know, did they enjoy it? And so on. And it's a repeat of what's in the resume. It'll be as Michael is the most amazing experience in my life. You know, we were very successful. You know, we, we grew the business, blah, blah, blah. But you know, my immediate thought is, that, well, if it was so successful, what in the hell are you doing interviewing for McKinsey or BCG? You know, that's like the dumbest move in the world. So, and then they say that, now, sometimes I use those words, usually not depending on you know how they're going to take it. If I can see they're friendly and they'll take it well, I'll use those words. But if I can see they may take it personally, I'll say, you know, so you know, if it was so successful, why are you going to McKinsey? And then they'll say, well, you know, we we had to shut down, didn't get enough sales and so on. So my point is if you were so successful as an entrepreneur, you shouldn't be at McKinsey or BCG. There's no reason, no entrepreneur is going to turn down a but billion dollar, hundred thousand, hundred million dollar, ten million dollar, from five million dollar exit just to go to McKinsey or BCG. You'll have to be pretty stupid to do that, unless you know you can perfectly point out to me how McKinsey or BCG is going to give you tools to fix the operating and strategy and cash flow analysis gaps that you have experienced as an entrepreneur. What I would rather hear from entrepreneurs is the lessons they learned when their business didn't achieve the goals it set out to achieve. I mean, that kind of 
pragmatic and insightful analysis, you know, we're looking for incision here, is, well, concision, what am I saying? We're looking for concision here is, is far more useful than telling me how wonderful something was when it is clear it wasn't more wonderful than the $150,000 salary that McKinsey is going to pay you. I mean, $150,000 sounds like a lot, but it's not in the real, in the grand scheme of things. So I think entrepreneurs need to be very careful about not focusing attention on how successful the business was, because that's obviously a lie. It's not true. But on what they learned as they tried to make the business successful. Now, in your resume, I think in your resume, I always caution entrepreneurs to say things like, you know, learned how to do X, Y, Z as the business cash flow decreased 50% over a two-month period and to sell off assets. That's far more interesting to me than an entrepreneur will say for the same company who would write, grew the business from two people to 100 people over 10 weeks or whatever, 10 months or whatever, and doubled revenue to, to you know, or tripled revenue or something like that. Because... The outcome is misleading unless, you know, he decided to sell the business, which is a completely different story and make a lot of money and still go and do his MBA or whatever it was. But I would rather focus on the lessons learned. So if you're an entrepreneur running a startup and so on, it is completely fine to talk about the lessons you learned as the business failed because startups fail. That's what that's why you call them a startup. They may not start up some days like a car running a combustion engine, you know, being parked in the Minnesota winter. The point is, you have to be very mature about the lessons you learned. Yeah, say it was a fabulous experience and so on, but don't only talk about the fabulousness of the experience. I interviewed someone recently who ran a business in clothing and all she could use was the word glam. I I think she used the word glam seven times in one sentence. I mean, I'm sure it was a glam experience, but that doesn't tell me anything about what you learned. And I want to know what you learned. And and I expect that you have an operating knowledge of the issues you faced rather than this high-level issues. Sure, you know, when I interview someone who has no startup experience and they talk to me about what they think it's like to code a website and launch an e-commerce startup, I'll expect them to have a high-level experience. But when someone starts talking to me about how they launched a travel engine, you know, in their first year of university, um, I'll expect them to be able to delve into the very practical issues of prioritizing coding, how to manage your team, how to bring in design elements and so on. So I feel that side entrepreneurs ignore. They almost feel it is taboo to speak about failure. And I would say embrace the failure and make it central. Make it central because it is central. It's the elephant in the room. Well, not for me as an interviewer. It's, for me, it's kind of okay to be fa- to have failed. It's obviously, you know, as long as you learn from it, that's great. But as an entrepreneur, you're doing yourself an enormous disservice by treating failure as failure. Failure in in a startup is not failure. It's just your first learning experience. You'll get better. You'll improve. You'll, you know, roll out something better. So don't worry about it. The point is, don't miss this opportunity to show your maturity, how you handled catastrophe. Remember something, as, as a McKinsey and BCG consultant, we want people who have the poise and elegance to go into an engagement where things are not going well, where the client's giving you trouble, where things are behind schedule, and put on a face like you know the Duchess of Cambridge and have the elegance and poise to manage this. And entrepreneurs, for whatever reason, are focused too much on the you know, feel-good attitude. And I think I know where that comes from. You know, if I look at most startup websites today, they all try to show how cool they are and having so much fun. And that's nice. 
be cool and have fun, but at the same time, be cool, have fun, and learn something, and talk to me about what you learned. And if you tell me this is how it failed and this is where things went wrong, my God, you know, I really like those discussions. And I've been in situations where, you know, final round interviews with someone in the firm, and the entire case is about what they did at the startup. And I'm, you know, really enjoying the discussion because I can see the person dealt with real issues that even I've never thought of because they're so practical, right? And, and I'll give you an example of that. Um, we were doing a, lo- a lot of the work we do. For example, one of the books we did, which is the agribusiness book for succeeding as a management consultant. We were talking about the book with a client who wanted to come to our screening individual during the program. And the client had launched their own e-commerce business a few years ago, which didn't work. I mean, it failed and they were quite open about it. But what really impressed me was the ability to understand some of the really practical problems we encountered when we did the study. We do real consulting studies to serve as material for our books. So you could pinpoint the biggest problem we would face and it could eloquently explain it. The biggest problem we faced was the fact that these family-run stores didn't take the rich knowledge they had about customers and put it into a database. So all the rich knowledge was not being effectively used by the company to you know, send promotions and so on. And he could pinpoint that problem because he launched a similar startup. And I thought, my God, here's someone who truly understands the key operating problem that is going to be faced you know, by, by older businesses as they try to ramp up into the e-commerce age and as you try to superimpose an e-commerce structure on franchises run by families you know, with older establishments and so on. I mean, to me, the discussion we had showed me his thinking. He, could, you know, he was so analytical in the way he broke that down. Now, on the one hand, it's not enough to just have the knowledge. You have to be analytical in the way you do it. But I think that entrepreneurs do have a, a very, very rich vein of knowledge at a practical level that MBAs don't have who have never you know, worked um, um, in setting up a business. You, know, you could have worked for Go- you know, Morgan Stanley, you could have worked for McKinsey in analyzing a startup, but, but is, that's quite different from actually setting up a business. And I want you to bring that out, talk about your failure, talk about your leadership experience, talk about you know, the difficulty of not knowing whether you're going to keep your servers running or make your payroll and deciding, you know, how you're going to cut costs. I want to hear how you manage your cash flow. I want to hear the very practical things you did. Now, it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to communicate it. That's for a different podcast. But I think that as an entrepreneur, don't sell yourself short on assuming that failure is failure. Failure could be the biggest trump card you have in an interview. And to be honest, it's always been your biggest trump card because the firms don't see it as failure provided you learned enough from it and you've taken the time to reflect back and understand why you failed, and you can explain that to me in a, in a very concise way. As always, if you have any comments, please feel free to respond, or you can create your own discussion groups.